Attention golfers, if you're looking to upgrade your game with a set of high-quality clubs that are blazing fast, beyond forgiving, and beautifully made, check out the all-new PXG Gen 6 Golf Clubs. Not only are they easy to hit, they deliver outstanding distance and incredible accuracy, lowering your scores and bringing you more fun on the golf course. What more could you want? Schedule your Gen 6 fitting today at pxg.com or by calling 844-PLAY-PXG. And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast. On a Monday, I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. I am back in Florida, and uh, it feels good to uh, to have, feel like I've recharged my batteries. Uh, a little vacation up in the Pacific Northwest, back in the studio, and uh, excited to uh, get things rolling again here back on the Stripe Show Podcast. Hope everybody is having a terrific summer. Today's uh, podcast is brought to you by About Golf Simulators. I miss my simulator. Look at it back there, just glowing. Getting ready to do a little competition here uh, this afternoon uh, with the driver where you got to hit that fairway right there. When you hit it, then it gets smaller. Then you hit it again and it gets smaller. And then you hit it again and it gets smaller. It's a great drill. It's a great game. Um, and it really gets your attention um, and a great way to practice uh, indoors uh, with the simulator. So excited to get back in there and start teaching this week. Uh, but a vacation that uh, I was looking forward to. Got to play some golf with my son, uh, with my parents, spend some time on the lake with my family. And uh, it was nice. Got to see some friends. And uh, now back here in Florida, where it is, uh, what is it, 93 degrees and humid. I'm already kind of sweating. I haven't sweat uh, in like three weeks. And I get off the plane and I'm walking to my uh, to, to get my bags and I barely even get outside and I'm already breaking a sweat. So I'm back in Florida and uh, we got a great lineup for you here on the podcast uh, this week. Keith Stewart, I promise, uh, will be back tomorrow and we will be uh, looking at the 3M Open. We are going to take you all the way through. Uh, the Ryder Cup. We got the playoffs coming up and then the Ryder Cup, some great golf ahead. I know the Open Championship just concluded. The four majors are in the book. All things Brian Harmon today. We're going to get some really cool stuff, including this. Check this out. Those watching on YouTube. There's Brian Harmon when he was working with Jack Lumpkin. How cool is that? Young Brian Harmon. Look at this swing. I mean, his golf swing doesn't look too different. Um, from that right there, the biggest difference here, he was at the, the open working with his coach, Justin Parsons, who we're working on getting back on the podcast, Justin, a friend of the pod, as is Brian Harmon. He's been on, but you look at that swing, a little difference in the first move, which we're going to talk about, but I mean, a lot of similarities. This is what I talk about kind of protecting the DNA of a, you know, when you have a young, talented player, you, you know, when you have that. Their hand-eye is exceptional. Um, they can do things at a young age. I mean, there's just like this, there's something there, you know, and you can just kind of sense it. You can see it. And then you kind of, you learn about the little things that they do and you kind of work around that and you protect that DNA. You don't, you don't change everything. You're not trying to make it into a model swing. And this was Jack Lumpkin when he was working with Brian at a young age. Of course, Brian, uh, was a terrific uh, young junior player, amateur player, 
a great uh, college career at the University of Georgia and uh, has been on the PGA Tour since 2012. And this was his third win now, of course, the Open Championship. So we're going to have some fun and we're going to look at uh, just kind of the evolution of Brian Harmon's swing. Some of the things that he works on uh, with Justin Parsons and a little bit about his putting, too. You know, he, he didn't reveal the secret um, of what really kind of propelled him to this incredible putting week, positive 11.5 strokes in putting. I mean, you just don't sniff that. He never has. That was the greatest putting week of his career. I was looking at his stats. He's had a couple positive 8.7s, a couple positive 7.5. Brian Harmon, no question, is one of the better putters on the PGA Tour, but he careered it when it comes to the putter uh, that week. Positive 11.5 is just an absurd number. So we're going to look at uh, his, his putting grip, which I think is fascinating. And I think something that um, deserves discussion, and I think something that so many of you listening can learn from and what it can promote. It's a very conventional grip with the trail hand maybe just a bit um, exaggerated. So we'll get to that in a second as well. But a few thoughts on the Open Championship. I got to watch a fair amount of it, uh, of course, being on vacation out there on the West Coast. It, it starts uh, very early uh, out there. And, you know, it wasn't really much of a tournament. Let's face it. I mean, Brian Harmon won by six shots. He got out to a lead there heading into the weekend, and uh, and he held on. And that's not easy to do, right? You start evaluating this kind of win and what it takes to blow a field away by five uh, in a major championship, it takes some stones, or dare I say. And, of course, one of the, the fans on Sunday yelled out to Brian and said, you don't have the stones to do this. You don't have the stones to, to win this. And it kind of got Brian's attention. And, well, come to find out, he, he, he does have the stones to do this. I mean, there's, there's two things here. One is to get to that size of a lead and how impressive it is to do that, right? And you can lean on the putter. I mean, Brian has been a solid driver of the golf ball. You start, he's not, he's not very long, but he hits a lot of fairways. And you look at him in total driving, he is in the upper half when it comes to the PGA Tour. His iron game can be a little bit sporadic. However, when you look at him statistically coming in, his iron game has been on a heater. You go back to the Travelers, it was positive 4.4. Uh, you go back to Rocket Mortgage, it was positive six. He was 12th at the Genesis Scottish Open. Don't have the stats there, but I would imagine he had his irons pretty good. And then at the Open Championship, his iron game was very solid. So you get an above-average total driver, and then all of a sudden now you get a heater um, with, with the irons, and then you career it with the putter. That's a perfect recipe to go out, shoot some good scores, and grab the lead. Now, he grabs the lead by five, and he's got to sleep on the lead twice of five shots. And that's the other side of this that is, in my mind, is really the greatest accomplishment, not just running out and getting the lead, but playing with the lead over about 36 holes, that size of a lead, that is not easy to do. We see so many players. They get the lead, and then they back up. If you watch the Barracuda, Patrick Rogers is a perfect example. Patrick Rogers was a fantastic collegiate player, someone who won nine times at Stanford, and he can't win a PGA Tour event. 
he has the skills to go out and grab the lead. But once he gets near the lead or he's on the lead, he could just see, gets tight, and he starts to back up. Patrick Rogers is not alone. It's hard to win on the PGA Tour. Akshay Patia, the talented 21-year-old lefty, wins the Barracuda. He talked about the emotions, and he talks about the nerves and the feelings that he had trying to win that tournament and how different it was when he was trying to win on the Corn Ferry Tour, which he did last year, when he was trying to win on, what was that mini tour that he was on uh, the year before that, the Select Tour, something like that. So it's just hard to win. A, you got to have the skills to get into that moment, and then B, you got to have the, quote, stones to win. Patrick Rogers doesn't have the stones. He doesn't. We've talked about that before on the podcast. Brian Harmon has the stones. Not only the stones to get out there with a five-shot lead, but to protect it. And protect's probably not even the word. Protect's not even the word. He, he, just, he just kept hitting great golf shots. He kept hitting terrific iron shots. He kept hitting terrific putts with perfect speed. Does anybody hit a putt inside 10 feet with better speed than Brian Harmon? I mean, it's amazing how that ball is entering the hole at the same speed every time, every time. Really remarkable from a mentality standpoint to continue to play your game, to continue to hit the shots and not protect because protect is the wrong word. That's not it. Got a five-shot lead, now I got to protect. That's not it. I got to keep going. I got to keep doing what I'm doing. I got to stay in that mindset. I have the stones. I want to hunt. I don't want to be hunted. And so... Brian Harmon, uh, really, really impressive down the stretch. Now, what does this mean for Brian Harmon moving forward? And I hear, you know, some, well, this is going to propel him forward. He's 36 years of age. Maybe there's more wins out there. I mean, I think we got to pump the brakes a little bit. The one thing about putting, and when you look at stats and you look at um, how guys are playing, you have to evaluate these kinds of weeks. Positive 11.5 with the putter is probably never going to happen again. Now, he's going to have good putting weeks as he has in the past, but as good as Brian Harmon is, he's giving up a lot of distance. And that week in and week out is very difficult for him to overcome. It just is from a proximity standpoint, uh, when you're giving up 20 or 15 to 25 yards uh, to these guys every single week. Now this week, it worked out for him. He had the career putting week and he got himself a major championship. So if you're a player who is currently a professional golfer on the PGA Tour, you're someone who's climbing the ladder and you're like, man, I'm not the longest hitter. And I know it's going to be hard in the modern game, the distance era. But I still have a chance. Brian Harmon did it. He won an open championship. Zach Johnson did it. He won an open championship. You know, these guys aren't the longest hitters in the world. Now, I got to... I got to be very efficient with my irons, as Brian was. Uh, I've got to hit it close with my wedges, and I've got to I got to make putts. You know, especially ten feet. I got I got to make putts. I got to have a great putting week. But make no mistake, the professional game and what you see week in and week out on the PGA Tour is not exactly how the Open Championship played out, right? It, it's just not. So so don't think that all of a sudden now Brian Harmon's just going to propel late in life, late bloomer, and is going to start rattling off a bunch of win and a bunch of major championships. He might, and, and if he does, God bless him. But when you look at it historically and where the game is going in the modern area, it's, it's not likely to happen. 
what is more likely to happen is Roy McElroy to get back into the winner circle in a major championship and finally in this drought of, of 10 years. And he hasn't been able to do that. Kind of an interesting, it'd be an interesting thought, wouldn't it? Who would, who's more likely to win the next major championship, Rory McElroy or Brian Harmon? It's a no-brainer, Rory McIlroy, right? I mean, that's that's the guy you're going to go with every time. Why? Well, Rory can bomb it off the tee. Who's the better putter? Brian is. But the distance plays out, and Rory, you know, can kind of make it work to some degree with his with his putter over four days, and he's more likely to to win a major championship. The point is, is that the putter, like short game and putting, like got to get it up and down if you want to win. The, no, 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 it's not what it is. The putter is a great equalizer, and there are moments like the Open Championship and tournaments where it does play out where putting does become maybe that top statistic. And there's sometimes where it kind of butts up to stroke scan approach, but make no mistake, we are in the distance era. We are in the ball striking era, stroke scan approach, iron game, distance off the tee, bust it down there so you can get close in proximity. And then, you know, don't be a dog around the greens and then let's make enough putts. And this week, the best putter won the Open Championship. And he won it at five foot seven hundred and fifty-five pounds. How about that? Five seven hundred and fifty-five pounds, 36 years of age. It brings everybody back into it. It resets that mind. You know what? I can do this. It gives us all hope. Akshay Batia. Check this out, 6'1", 145 pounds. 6'1", 145 pounds, wow. I thought, the, I thought golfers were turning into these big, bad athletes. 5'7", 155, 6'1", 145, both left-handed. Ah, how about that? First time it's ever happened on the PGA Tour. Thank you, Justin Ray, for that statistic. Wanted to give you credit for that. Um. But yeah, wow, that, that was the weekend. All right, so congratulations to Brian Harmon. Let's have some fun here. Let's have some fun. There's Brian Swing working with Jack Lumpkin. Brian's always kind of been someone who's, I think, kind of taken the club head inside. And when I watch old footage of Brian Harmon Swing, he's always been a player who kind of rotates the face, too. He kind of rotates the face a little bit open going back. And, you know, he's got, he, he's got good hands. He's got good rhythm. You know, no surprise that when he hunts, it's bow and arrow, everything right there in the fingers. But you look at that swing, and then you fast forward to Tuesday on the range at the open, and the biggest difference you see is right here. That club head works up sooner. But the face is the same. You look at the face. That toe is pointing up to the sky. That's one of the questions I want to ask Justin Parsons, and I'm working on getting him back on Thursday, and, and he's, I'm sure, very busy right now and hopefully hung over from uh, celebrating and partying because he deserves it. Justin Parsons is a very hard-working, talented teacher, and, uh, and, and look, these teachers put a lot of time in, man. They put a lot of time in, and I know they're not hitting the shots, but they need to take the time to enjoy this too. And, and Brian, when you look at his golf swing, I want to ask Justin about that face. You know, he rotates the face a little open there. 
And then it's just kind of this nice gradual closing coming down. But most of the time, when you look at a player right there, that toe is more down. Like the angle of that face, usually with most tour players, is, is more parallel to the spine. And Brian works the club head up and rotates the face, almost like he was hitting a, you know, a little short game shot, which Brian historically is a good short game player, although he's been probably a little more inconsistent than he wants to be as of late. But he works the club head up, he rotates the face, and he gets the club at a nice spot at the top. But that face by no means is, is borderline closed like you see with a lot of players. If anything, there's you know a little toe hang there, right? I mean, that toe's kind of maybe hanging just a bit and just a bit open. Shallows it beautifully. Look at that. Gets it right back in position. And the one thing that Brian does exceptionally well is he covers it and rotates his chest like an absolute boss. You won't find many at impact that have that chest that open at impact and have that left elbow right there in front of the hip, left wrist bent. You look at where that shaft returns right there, the angle of that, and then you back it up to where it was at address. Just one second here. I'm going to bring it back to address. It's very similar. You know, he, he's a player that that handle at address is roughly the same where it is at impact. There's not a lot of handle where it's, you know, elevating up in the air. And so he, he does a beautiful job on the way down of getting that shaft kind of lay down a little bit into that left forearm. But then from there, really kind of staying in the posture and turning, covering it, and letting that chest open. Now, if you're going to open up at impact, you, you better make sure that that shaft is not steepening, right? You better make sure that shaft is pitching back a little bit, and then from there, you know, then you've got a little more freedom where you can rotate and open up. But I think the biggest thing here, when you go back to like younger Brian Harmon and you go right here, like you can see the hands kind of take it away there, right? And that's kind of, that's how I did it too. Like I kind of took it back with my hands and you watch right here, boom. And you can't see the face because the camera's, you know, it doesn't have the, can't slow it down in the shutter speed. But that face is open. If I stop it right at the top there, look at that. See, I, there's some toe hang there. That toe is hanging down. That's not that, that's not that um, different than what I just showed you Tuesday at the Open Championship. And I think the face a little bit more, um, a little bit more closed at the top. But point being, Brian Harmon is a guy that rotates the face. You know, he rotates the face going back, which means he's got to rotate it coming down more. But he does it beautifully blending it in with incredible rotation. Now, here's a drill that I really like. This is a cool video here. Got this off of Justin Parsons in Instagram. This is something we're going to talk about with him. You'll notice that there is an alignment stick in the ground, uh, and it's extended, right? And it's working, and the camera's kind of set to the inside here. So I think the idea here is that that alignment stick that's, position to the left of Brian, he's a left-handed player, uh, is on roughly the same angle or maybe just slightly lower angle. Where the, the point here is Brian is feeling the club head working up 
out in front of him. Not so much like away, I don't think, in width, but more up. He's getting the club head to work up through that left elbow folding, through the right wrist hinging. Again, the face, you look at it, more toe up. But it's working up as you can see the alignment stick there. You can see it's in the ground. And which way does it go? Well, it goes up, right? It's not going along the ground. It's not horizontal. It's going up on an angle, but it's also going up behind him, right? So it's up and then back behind him. I use the two words up and back a lot, a lot. And I think it's a great sequence, up and back, that I think can help a lot of people, especially those who take the club head too far inside right away, like we saw with a younger Brian. And I think what's really fascinating is, is as Brian's gotten older, he's definitely got the club head more up. But I think the integrity of the face and the way he uses the face, I still think is very much intact. The face is definitely a, a touch more closed, but it's not like, you know, he, he just shut it down. I mean, the, there's a very similar rotation in the lead forearm, lead wrist, and then how that works through the impact zone. So I love this up and back. When you go up, now you can go back and you can turn and you can get it deep. And I've even seen Brian kind of work on here at the top where he, you can see him trying to get his hands like away from him, back behind him along the angle of this orange stick. It's like pulling, um, it's like pulling a lawnmower cord. You're pulling this cord up and back behind you. I'm demonstrating here. I'm, for me, right-handed, I'm I'm pulling up this, this cord right through my trail shoulder, which would be Brian's left, and then extending my arm back behind me. And when I do that, I got to feel my, my trail hips got to turn. My spine's got to extend. My chest opens up. And you can do all these things as long as you're working up this angle, up this plane angle. This plane angle, um, call it roughly 45 degrees. It's not 45. It's, you know, it could be 55, depending on what club he's hitting. But the point is, is it's not horizontal. It's not working in low and around. If you go in low and around early, then you lift it and then you want to come over it. And then it's not just straight vertical either. You're not just going straight up and down, right? Like you're chopping wood. But I think when you try to blend those two and you put it on this 45, I think the sequence and the wording that tends to help people the most is up first, then back. And I think when you do that, you get the club on plane, you get the face in a reasonable position, and then you really get yourself in a spot where you can shallow it out nicely, and then you can open up like a boss like Brian Harmon does. I think I saw something in 3D on gears where Brian opens up more than anybody with his chest. You know, or if, if, it's, if, it's, if, he's, if he's not number one, he's up there in the top three. So that's... Uh, that's excuse me, that's really impressive stuff. So I, I like the swing, simple swing. I think I think a swing that that we can learn from um, and one that uh, I think kind of stems back to the DNA when he is a young player. And there he is again with the great Jack Lumpkin. All right, let's go to putty because you can't, you, you can't talk Brian Harmon if you don't talk putty. All right, so here's a, a picture of Harmon's grip. It may have changed like a little bit from this. Um, I was trying to to zoom in on 
his grip from the coverage. I was flying back and they popped it up on the screen and I couldn't get my phone out in time to take the picture. But this grip is is pretty close. And of course, Brian is left-handed. And so you're seeing his right hand below his left, which is a um, you know, a cross-handed grip for a lefty, right? Or a right hand low. If you were a right-handed player, we would call that left hand low or cross-handed. So he's a cross-handed putter. And there's a couple things here that that I like. One is is Brian is very diligent when he puts his his left hand on that he puts the kind of the grip towards the lifeline and that the back of the left hand is like facing the target and his left elbow is tucked in towards kind of his rib cage. His left elbow is not out. It's kind of tucked in. And then, of course, that left hand is extended or bent a little bit. Now, he does that so that left form is matched up to it. I've heard him talk about that left form matched up to that putter shaft. And that trail form matching up to that putter shaft, um, I don't know. I, I just think, generally speaking, is good advice for most. Now, you, there, there's some that don't, but most do. And when guys putt with just their trail hand for Brian, he'll putt with just his left hand. Getting that left form to match up to that on the same plane uh, really gives you a lot more control. You can really sense that when you do left hand only. Now, you'll notice that the index finger kind of runs more kind of down the side and on top of those knuckles. I like that. So you can see how that right hand comes in, and you can see how those fingers of the right hand are kind of tucked up underneath the index finger. And also how his right hand is kind of almost slightly a bit underneath. Now, you don't have to go that far. I mean, you can kind of feel like you're – your your right hand is adjacent to your left. If you were a left-handed player, like those palms are almost facing each other. But for Brian, he kind of he almost kind of rolls it under slightly. But again, his right elbow kind of tucked, so his lead form matches up. And I and if you notice that, if you notice his right hand, his lifeline is kind of right there on that knuckle. I like that. You know, I really do. I like that. In fact, if you just looked at this grip. And I know this is, I know this is cross-handed for a left-handed player. But if you looked at this grip, it's not too far off. If you were a right-handed conventional, you know, like there'd be a couple little things different. But the key there with that right hand is that lifeline is kind of tucked down under and on that knuckle. It's not so dominant on top. You know, I'm demonstrating here where you get that elbow kicked out and on top. So there's a sense of these elbows soft and tucked under to the point so much where Brian exaggerates that right hand and kind of turns it a bit underneath. And I think he does that because it kind of helps him feel like he can draw it. And when you, and when you talk about the secret that, that he was referring to, I believe, I believe that secret was a little device that he uses that helps him get the feeling of, of, of a slight draw feel the putter head releasing in this bit of a slight draw feel rather than maybe cutting across it and hanging on. And so that, that grip like that, I think probably helps him feel that you can imagine if you took, if he took that right hand and he put the palm more on top of the grip and the elbow kicked out, now it'd feel like it's going to almost kind of block him out. And so you can get these feelings. Um, you can get these feelings with your hands 
in different ways, almost like your palms up to the sky. Like you just took your palms right now and you kind of put them up to the sky, roll your palms to the sky. Now roll your palms to the ground. Look at how your elbows do different things, right? Palms down, elbows kick out, palms to the sky, elbows come in, you know, and then you can kind of mix and match your hands and you can get the sense and how that's going to change the dynamic of the putter head a little bit. And I think for Brian, the positioning of that left hand to the side, elbow tucked, form on plane, right hand, lifeline on that knuckle, kind of slightly underneath, elbow soft. I think that dynamic as he engages his shoulder gives him a slight draw bias feel. And I think with the device that he uses that allows that putter head probably to exit just a little bit more out in front of him and maybe a little less across to the inside really triggered the right dynamic of the release. And that release is not only getting the ball to start online, but it's probably the contact, which then also gives him the great distance control. Because when you look at great putters, obviously, obviously you've got to be able to hit the ball online, but you've got to match it up with great speed. You just do not make as many putts as Brian Harmon did and does from inside 10 feet without an incredible sense of speed of that ball coming off the face. It's, it's remarkable, really, um, watching him from a distance control standpoint. All right, so that's a few things on, um, on Brian Harmon's uh, putting stroke as well. What a performance. Um, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I don't think Brian's going to roll off two or three majors here, another two or three wins by the end of the year. He might. Um, but statistically, just doesn't match up to the modern game, which really... You know, it's not a slap in the face. And Brian, it's actually kind of, as I bring this full circle, it's the ultimate compliment in that, A, he went out there in the distance era, giving up a lot of distance off the tee. Still a good driver of the ball. But one by five, or six, rather. One by six. The Open Championship. I mean, wow. It's one thing to, to get to that lead. It's another the bulldog, if you will, mentality to keep going and not protect. That's impressive. That's impressive, especially when you watch players like Patrick Rogers just stumble when they get to the lead. You watch Xander Shoffley get tight when he gets to the lead. Brian Harmon didn't. He had the stones. Congratulations, Brian Harmon, the Georgia Bulldog, five foot seven hundred. In 55 pounds. Congratulations to Akshay Patia, 21 years of age, folks. I was critical when he turned pro. Now, granted, it's an opposite field event, the Barracuda, but he still won. Won the Corn Ferry Tour last year. He, he's he's exciting. He's going to be fun to watch here, I think, and the trajectory of that guy's career. You remember, he was right there in the hunt, played in the final round with John Rahm in, in Mexico. And so it's going to be fun to watch him in the playoffs. The playoffs are going to be interesting. Of course, a lot of storylines with PGA Tour and Live. We got you covered, folks. I'm back in the saddle. We got some good stuff coming up. Keith Stewart's back tomorrow. All things 3M open. And Froggy on Wednesday. Darius Rucker. Hootie is back on Wednesday on the podcast. And I'm working on Justin Parsons for Thursday. Full court press, folks. I'm going to go hit some shots in the About Golf Simulator. See you tomorrow.